You're listening to RIB Connect Radio. Sight loss can mean many things for different people, but one thing is for sure sight loss means challenge. Chris Downey is an architect, planner, and consultant who lost all sight in 2008. Today, he's dedicated to creating more helpful and enriching environments for the blind and partially sighted. And Chris joins me now from San Francisco. Hello, Chris. Hi, Simon. First of all, I need to ask you, Chris, what is San Francisco like as a city? Uh, it's a fabulous city. Uh, I've been here since 1989, and, and I've found it to be an exciting and fantastic city since I've lost my sight. Um, it's, there's a lot going on here. The, there's a lot of transportation, a lot of options. I can get virtually anywhere, get out to the airports, all sorts of places independently. Um, and so it's really it's really worked out well. And even the city is in San Francisco, it, it really works well as a pedestrian, a blind pedestrian walking around. Uh, it's very navigationable and works very well. Now, take us back to 2008, Chris, because you lost your sight very quickly, didn't you? Yes. Um, I had had a, uh, been diagnosed with a tumor uh, located right at the optic nerves and had surgery to remove it. And uh, uh, the doctors didn't anticipate sight loss, um, but lost uh, also all sight in both both eyes uh, two days after the surgery. Um, so it was uh, you know unexpected total, and so it's quite a shock. I hadn't really prepared for it, thought much about it, and had no experience with sort of what that might mean. Did you feel cheated? Uh, no, not really. You know, I've. I come from a family where my, my dad uh, was a doctor um, and uh, he had a brain tumor and passed away for complications from brain surgery. So I sort of knew, uh, on one hand, knew the, the, the dangers, uh, but also respected the profession. You know, they're not, not wizards. They're, they do some amazing things, but it's, it's life, it's reality. And, and there's, there's, uh, you know, there's just no guarantee. So I tried not to think about being slighted by you know, having bad luck, I really tried to sort of adapt, uh, quickly adopt a more positive, forward-looking attitude to really try to build from there. So did you channel your frustration and anger into something positive then? Yes. Um, well, first, you know, it takes a while for the training to kick in. And uh, I had been an avid cyclist before losing my sight and had even gone up riding around through the Oakland Hills the weekend before my surgery. So I quickly got my bike put on on rollers in my living room. And uh, as soon as the surgeon would let me up on the bike, I was I was spinning on that just to sort of keep the anxious energy going and uh, just release some of that sort of anxiety and sort of eagerness to get things moving. Uh, and really, really pushed hard. You know, I went back to, went back to work a month after the surgery. Um, so my training hadn't even kicked in yet, but I, I knew there were things that I could do and I wanted to get into the office and start figuring it out and sort of getting back with the life as I knew it in every possible way I could. How did that affect you then at work then? Did, did people's attitude towards you change? Uh, well, you know, it's a shock. For everyone, um, nobody expected it. You know, I sort of treated it as, as I'm going in for a surgery, it's major and significant, but you know, I didn't really anticipate any problems. So when 
things didn't go as perfectly as we would think. Uh, yeah, it was a shock to the people I worked with, um, shock to friends and family. Um, but I, I'd have to say that uh, everyone was very positive about that. And even the people in the office, the other architects, you know, in many ways, you would think architects would think, oh, my God, you can't see anymore. You're, you know, you're out of here. <laughs> um, but uh, the other way of looking at it is that they're inherently creative and optimistic people. Uh, they're trained in the, the realm of possibility. And I think that I actually was in a very good place with very positive, very creative, very sort of opportunistic people thinking that, you know, we think he can actually make something out of this and, 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 uh, and, and make good. And they didn't necessarily know how. And it actually turned out to be pretty interesting because I had some of my, like my technology trainer uh, who is blind. He would come to my office for my training sessions. And he's been blind since birth. So I didn't think about it at the time, but it was perfect to have him go in because his level of, of uh, independence and, and um, uh, ability you know, would sort of reset their expectations to think, oh, here's a lot here that's possible. And they were really impressed with what he could do, how he got around and uh, how, how independently he got around and worked on the computers and got through the office. And so that, I actually think that really helped a lot. And of course, the office have to learn some new habits, not to leave things lying about and things like that, don't they? Oh yeah, uh, but that uh, it, there really was was very little change. I'd say the the biggest change was for the uh, for the office manager who, whose job it was. Uh, you know, especially before I started having training, it, it was his job to to sort of take me down down the hall through the building to, to go find the bathroom. So other than that, <laughs> he had, he had the, he, he probably had the only real change, uh, in the office, um, in terms of what he did and how, what, what sort of things, but you know, there's, of course there's little things here and there, but, but not much. Now you're saying you went to work a month after your surgery. Uh, I mean, was that's traveling as a blind person, uh, and you know, a month before you've been sighted. So what was the difference? I would get there, my wife would drive me there and get me into the office and then I'd pretty much go into my office space and I'd, you know, I'd have to have, I'd get around less. I used to get around so much more sort of checking. I was responsible for running the, the office so I'd get around and, and working with staff. Uh, in this case, staff came to me most of the time, although I, I quickly got to the point where I could get around to them uh, and work with them at their desk. Uh, but what, what I thought was kind of interesting about it was, you know, I was having my orientation and mobility training at the same time. And here I was as an architect who had been trained to really think about and be aware of space, be aware of the environment around you and really study it as part of your work. And, and, and now I was starting to study it with things other than my eyes and experiencing sort of the more multi-sensory experience of, of architecture and space. And I, I quickly started relating sort of the experiences, things that I could, could sense uh, moving around the building and moving around the streets where I was familiar. You know, I could relate that spatial, acoustic, and, and tactile experience with my known visual experience of those same spaces. And... 
it was really interesting to start doing that, but also to, that started forming a new way of thinking about architecture, at least at least for me, that that was pretty uh, pretty uh, positive and and interesting in that it, it made me feel like by doing that, by focusing on these other senses as well, it actually made for better architecture, architecture that was more about the full physical experience and not just, uh, as we used to, as I used to say, not just the eye candy of what the thing looked like. Um, so it, it was actually a pretty interesting intellectual uh, experience uh, as well as a personal experience. And I think actually helping to make my architecture more well-rounded. It's funny, isn't it? Because we tend to think of a building being accessible for, for wheelchairs and also yeah. laid out in a way for blind people. Do you think that if we actually thought a bit more about making things more accessible for everybody, it just makes it a better place? Absolutely. There, there's no doubt about it. And I also think that it's it's more realistic. It's 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 less less of a fantasy you know it's it's fantasy to think that everybody walks around on two legs sees with two eyes and hears with two ears and has the same experiences what people tend to think as being normal um that's just it's just not the way life is and and i think we all do ourselves a disservice especially in the profession of architecture when we fail to think about the full lifespan of the human experience as well as the many different uh, experiences that can can be had within one's life. So it sounds like you, you, you took what we would think is a negative experience, but you, you turned it around into something that's going to be a positive experience. Absolutely. I think professionally, it's been a positive experience. Um, my, my role in the profession, the work that I do, it's all more meaningful now than it ever was. And um, I think personally, I've I've benefited from it. It's it's been a, I think of it all as as a net gain. Now moving to to navigating the city, you're saying it's a great city, San Francisco, to get around. Yeah. Did you feel vulnerable when you when you first started traveling? Well, of course, you know that that first time you have to step off the curb on your own to cross the street at a busy intersection. Yeah, that getting that foot to go off the curb and actually hit the asphalt—that's <laughs> that's a that's a scary moment. <laughs> and then, but it's something we all sort of push through. And uh, the nice thing about San Francisco is that, especially in downtown uh, where my office is, is that the streets aren't that large, uh, and it's not messed up by a whole bunch of freeways moving through it. Uh, it's actually a very delightfully pedestrian scaled city. Now the, the streets tend to be pretty busy with traffic, uh, but it's um, I feel I feel pretty uh, pretty safe and uh, feel like it works pretty well. And do people react differently to you? Do you find your experience as a, a blind person going through town different to what it was when you were sighted? As far as people's reactions? Oh, absolutely. Um, on a couple different levels on, on on one you know i'm i'm grew up in the in the southeast of the united states in tennessee and north carolina where it's common for when you pass people on the street you say hello and you know good morning and and it's it's a very social engagement with strangers that you pass wherever you go and that doesn't happen so much in 
California and San Francisco. Um, and, uh, but it's funny, the same streets, the same places I used to go yet. Now people just come up, they may not say hello, but they might ask if, if you need help or if they can assist in any way, or they might, uh, you know, as you're going across the crosswalk, approaching the curb on the other side, they might tell you that the curb's there, like you wouldn't find it with your cane, but you know, they're just trying to help. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I've actually kind of liked that being someone that sort of grew up with a more socially engaged experience with, with strangers and people. And, and I try to turn those, those things where people assume that I need help. I try to just turn it into a normal conversation and, and enjoy a chat with somebody on the street. So, uh, and that, that works pretty well. Um, and I, I enjoy that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's been sort of socially a big change, uh, for me you know, walking the streets. Now, going back to your, your home life, uh, uh, you know, it must have been really tough on, on your wife, I would say, and, and, you know, your expectations of being a father as well. There's so many things going on there, aren't there? Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's something that people often forget and sort of leave out of the equation. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a difficult, uh, experience for my wife. Um, you know, it changes a lot of the, the logistics around the house, especially initially, uh, with things where you, when you don't have the, the skills and all of a sudden, you know, there's, uh, one less driver in the house and all the same things got to happen. And, uh, so, you know, I quickly got around to doing some chores around the house and, was moving around the house fine, but it, you know, there's, it changes things. It also, the stress of what does this all mean? What does it mean financially? What does it mean, uh, about, you know, just our future and things. So there's a lot of questions. And then there's the, 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 it's sort of like having another child, uh, having to let go of the kid to go out and do things on their own. And, you know, she can't be there with me. And so you have to break that, that sort of, desire to protect, to get out and have the independence you need to get the training and, and progress in ways where you can be, um, you know, independent. So that trying to, to break, get that freedom within a relationship within, with trust and love, you know, that just, that's, that can be, can be a challenge and, uh, ask a lot uh, of each other, uh, for my son, you know, yeah, he was he was 10, uh, 10 years old at the time. And uh, we actually sort of I, I knew there was a problem with my sight um, when he and I were playing baseball, throwing, just throwing throwing catch with each other. And I realized I just couldn't see the ball coming at me anymore. And so we started on the that odyssey together trying to figure out what's going on. He and I just went off to an optometrist and had my eyes checked and they couldn't figure it out. So he was at sort of the front end experiencing there's something curious going on. And uh, but I think he handled it all really well uh, through the surgery. And what was really fun was he enjoyed learning the things that I was learning. He was really, really curious and excited about it. He loved all the technology. He loved learning different ways of doing things. When I was learning Braille, he wanted to learn 
Braille with me. So he knows it visually. And he thought, it, you know, you, you share the history of Braille and what that is. And it's, you know, developed as that that code to hand off um, behind the lines in, with, with the French military and and sort of share have it more as a code and think of it that way. He was just fascinated, fascinated by it and wanted to learn it. And so he'd just sit down and spend hours with me studying Braille or even walking the street. He When I'd go out to practice walking around the neighborhood, he'd go with me, he'd grab a cane, he'd see what it was like. We'd cross the street together and I'd make sure he wasn't peeking to look to see what was going on. And, you know, we just had fun with it. So I tried to share that experience with him and he was a big motivating factor for me as well because, you know, um, I wanted him to have an active, um, fully engaged dad that was optimistic and was determined to go on about things uh, and find new and wonderful ways to do things. So, so I think we all sort of adopted a really sort of um, strategy of working together and sharing it together in ways that could be fun. And I think that's a thing sometimes that uh, we forget about. We tend to think about it all from the person who's lost their sight or is losing their sight's point of view. But there's, there's things that you lose, don't you? When you've been uh, in, a, in a, a relationship with somebody who's sighted and you're sighted, you, you don't, I think you sometimes don't realise how many things we just say, oh, isn't that beautiful? Look at that sunset. Look at yeah. this. You At least you have an appreciation of that. But for the person who's sighted, they've got to rethink your world, haven't they, and, 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 and how you can still share things and enjoy certain things that you, were a visual thing before. Right. Uh, it, and some of it is for, like, my wife, the, you know, the, the spouse that's still sighted, they have to be comfortable about how they talk about visual things or a beautiful sunset or just something that strikes them visually. And sometimes I know she would go through periods of feeling guilty about saying that, or should be she be saying that? Sometimes I was like, you know, I really don't care right now. <laughs> and, but other times I do, I do care. And, you know, it's interesting. She too is, is trained as an architect. And so we do a lot of work together now uh, where, you know, we get to share some of those visual things and I'll rely on her for, for some of that, for those things that uh, I need that, that visual uh, some visual information on. Uh, so, so we, we had to get to that level of, of comfort of, of knowing how to share those visual experiences, uh, and that she shouldn't feel guilty about it. And, uh, and sometimes I have to be patient about it as well. It's like, I may not care, but it, it, at that particular moment, but for the sake of the relationship, I need to care and, and sort of be part of her experience as well. Now for those that are listening, Chris, and are maybe even just setting out on this road of, of losing sight or of lost sight suddenly, I mean, we're talking, this is only eight years that you've been dealing with this as such. Yeah. What, what, what would you say to somebody who, who's facing that just now? Well, you know, for, for each of us, it's, it's different. Um, and uh, for me, it was important to look forward and sort of face the challenge. And I think part of that is being trained as a creative person, as, a, as an architect, as a designer. You know, you get your, you get your design brief, your, your problem statement, you do your research, you, you build a plan and you set about doing it. And there may, not, there may be parts about that that you don't like, but there, chances are they're beyond your control. 
And so you have to accept those things that are beyond your control and then get set on about um, making something beautiful out of, of the, out of that problem statement after, you know, out of the, the material, the things you have to work with. So to the greatest extent people can do that, at least in my case, that was very um, uh, uh, helpful. Now, I just I just recognized that I was in an unusual place uh, where I could have the perspective of a dad who passed away from something similar uh, when I was quite young. I was seven years old. And to then have the chance of going through something similar but only losing my sight, I can say, oh, that was, that was trivial. And I didn't dwell on it. And I wanted to get just keep pushing forward. But somehow or another, having that ability to not look backwards, not to regret what happened or, or even to the extent of waste, you know, spending a lot of time and energy chasing after um, things that quite might heal you or whatever what, from the situation. Um, I, sometimes that sort of keeps you looking backwards or some, some you know, especially in the, the U.S., it's a litigious uh, environment. Some might say, well, why don't you sue the doctor? Well, that's just looking backwards, and it might put some cash in your wallet, uh, but it's not going to help your life. Uh, it's not going to get you to where you need to be in terms of your training. So I'm always about looking forward, finding creative solutions, and quite frankly, enjoying the process and, and looking for those magical moments of, of wonder and, and sort of enjoying these things that you didn't necessarily think you could do. And, and then you realize, oh, I'm doing it. It's, and, and building on that, that promise, on that excitement. So would you say that something that most people would deem as a negative experience has actually had many more positives than you would have ever dreamed of? Absolutely. There's, uh, there's so much more positive that I've gotten out of this than, than I've lost. Um, and I tend to think when many think that I might have been unlucky I, in the big picture, I feel like I've been incredibly lucky. I've had good opportunity. Um, uh, our family has handled it well. Our community has handled it well. Uh, I have more meaningful, a more meaningful place in the profession. I feel like I can, I'm contributing to the profession and in ways far beyond what I used to do. Uh, and as an architect, you know, I got into this profession wanting to make the environment, make wanting to make the world a better place. And yeah, I'm doing that. So my my uh, sort of work towards that goal today is so much stronger than it was. So I, it's hard. It's hard to imagine. There, there are times uh, I work harder, and the financial uh, rewards aren't as as easy. Um, you know, have to work things different ways, uh, but that's coming together. And uh, in the total picture, it's yeah, it's all been incredibly positive. And I, I really feel like I've grown a lot as a person and as an architect. Well, Chris, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us, and uh, we wish you the best for the future as well. Well, thank you, Simon. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Good luck to you.